So this morning, um, we finish sort of Galatians, sort of. Um, go back to a story. I can't remember if I told this. I probably did. Um, you know, when you've been around one place for a while, you tell all your stories three or four times and then just hope people don't remember. But anyway, um, <laughs> I moved away from home when I was like 17 or 18. 18. I moved back home um, and met Jesus. And he turned my world upside down in a very powerful way, which was right side up, of course. And... Um, I wanted, I wanted people to know this badly. Um, but my well of knowledge was limited. Um, I, I went into the church with just nothing. And so sometimes I would be just talking about Jesus and I would just kind of run out quick. And so, um, so anyway... One time out of the blue, my old boss from the city that I'd lived in for like a year and a half just called me back before cell phones. Um, and just to see how I was doing and to try to see if he could help me get a job at the place where I had worked in Atlanta now that I was back in Knoxville. And like I wanted to share the gospel with this guy. Like I wanted to share the gospel with everybody. And, um, and he was asking me if I would be willing to move back to Atlanta from Knoxville, and I told him, his name was John, I said, John, um, I'm a Christian now, I'm following Jesus, and I'm, I'm learning, and I, I love my church, and I wasn't really sure I could explain to him what my life was like, and just how different it was, I really don't think I should move, I'm just, I need to be here, and um, I could see he was kind of taken aback by that, that I would not go back and have a good job where I was. Um, much better than the one I had. And I only knew like a couple of Bible verses. And one of those verses was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So I was just like, hey, John, um, let me share a Bible verse with you. And it was, you know, it's by grace that you're saved through faith. Um, this is from God, it's not from works, lest anyone should boast. I just threw that over the phone line. And that was about all I knew. You know, I probably knew three Bible verses, and that was one of them. <laughs> and, um, and he says back to me, now Dan, you know me, I'm not the kind to boast. And I went... Well, he has a point. Um, like, he was a humble dude. He was one of the best bosses I ever had. Um, <laughs> and he wasn't the boasted kind. And I was just a brand new Christian, and that was my only Bible verse. I probably knew John 3.16, but it didn't come to my mind at the moment. But um, he probably knew that one, too. I mean, he lived in Georgia. Everybody in Georgia knows John 3.16, don't they? They've been to a football game. So anyway... Um, <laughs> So I was just kind of stuck, and the, the conversation fizzled, and that was the last time I ever talked to him. And um, it's like, wow, boasting. What in the world is that? None of us should boast. And so I was, I was kind of left thinking about that. And um, I just kind of realized we're all boasters. 
God made us to boast. Now, we're not all like run to the 50-yard line, rip our helmet off so everybody could see our face and pound our chest, boasters. Um, But we all boast in someone or something because that's how God made us. And and this is what I mean. Um, For instance, you... You find yourself 30,000 feet in the air flying, right? You're either, you're either boasting that you've got the ability to flap your arms hard, or, or you're boasting that your best friend is Superman, or you're boasting that you're on an airplane and you're thankful for the pilot, Right? You find yourself escaping a burning building, right? Top floor, no way out, and the ladder comes up, and a fireman comes up the ladder, right? Like, you're boasting in the fireman. You find yourself walking on water, like you're Peter. (laughs) You're boasting in... Who's walking, right? You find yourself in an impossible situation or an impossible place in life and things are happening that are not of your making. There's just, we're made to boast. I'm not who I once was. You're probably not who you once were. There's a boast in that. It's either a law boast or a Jesus boast. Now, you're not yet who you will be or who you want to be, right? We find ourselves needing to get somewhere we can't get. We find ourselves wanting to be someone or become someone we can't become. It's, it's like that old saying, right? If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there on his own. Right? You've never heard that old saying? Okay, well, I guess we say that somewhere else. Okay, but if you see a turtle on a fence post, the turtle didn't climb the fence post. At least not where I'm from. They don't climb fence posts. Right? What does the turtle say? Somebody put me here. We're all the turtle. Right? And we either go, I climbed the fence post. Or we go, somebody put me here. Right? And so this morning... Galatians ends, and it's a passage about boasting. And, you know, you're going to boast in somebody. Somebody's going to be your boast. And the question is, is who it's going to be. And when Paul takes the pen in his own hands, and he says in verse 11 of chapter 6, see with what large letters I'm writing you with my own hand. Right? So Paul has a scribe or a secretary, and it seems that he says to the scribe, hey, give me the pen, and he takes over. And if, if Paul had maybe an eye problem, like maybe he, we think he said back in a previous uh, chapter 4, that maybe he'd come to them with some sort of bodily illness, and he says, you would have plucked out your own eyes and gave them to me. Um, so maybe his handwriting is just in a different font 
like he's ramped it up from like 11 to 18, right? And he's just scrawling in big letters. And he says, look at these large letters I'm writing with my own hand. This is me writing now. As if to say, I got some way important to close this letter. Like I'm going to sum this up. It's almost like maybe we should have started with the ending and we would have known really what's important (laughs) about this letter. This final exhortation. Look at 12 and 13. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may be not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So we know this has been the whole issue all throughout Galatians. These people have come from from Jerusalem, and they're like, yeah, Jesus is awesome, but you need some Abraham and Moses in your life. You need circumcision, and with circumcision comes the whole law. You need to be Jewish, and that involves circumcision and opening the door to all of that. Now, the very first thing I thought when I read verses 12 and 13, I don't know if you thought this when I just read that out loud. I don't know if you thought this when you read this. Um, There's this dual motive that Paul says. Those people who are trying to get you to be circumcised, to be really, really who God wants you to be and to become who God wants you to be. Those people who are wanting this for you, he says they've got two motives. Number one, they're wanting to be able to boast. It's kind of like they want to be able to report back to Jerusalem to like the really, really religious people back there. Hey, we had X number of Gentiles get circumcised. Like they want to be able to report back some numbers. And the flip side motive was, and they want to be able to avoid persecution because this will keep them in good with the people they want to be in good with. Now, when I first read that, my first thought was, Paul, you're being just a bit judgy. Like, how do you know their motives? Right? It's a dangerous thing to attribute motives, like what's going on in someone else's heart. Yet he writes to the Galatians church and says, Galatians church and says, this is why they're doing this. Like, just really pointed here. Let me tell you what their motives are. Let me give you the reason behind, the real reasons behind their actions. Why they do one thing and avoid doing something else. And you kind of go, wow, Paul, being a little judgmental, aren't you? Shouldn't you be a little more careful about putting in writing the sort of talk about what you think is happening in someone else's heart? Because we all know motives are tricky. I don't even know my motives half the time. But to know someone else's motives... But here's the thing. Who would know better than Paul? (laughs) Paul had been them, in a sense, right? Paul had been an Ivy League trained Pharisee. He had been to the best Pharisee school. He was super 
passionate, super zealous about the law, so much so that when they needed somebody to go arresting Christians, Paul was like, I'm your dude. Sign me up. I'll throw them in jail. I'll travel for this. Just give me a per diem. I'm on this. Paul knew the heart of the legalist because he had been the best of all. <laughs> so when, when Jesus talked about the Pharisees' motives, do you remember this? He said to the Pharisees, you know, you guys keep the outside of the dish really, really clean. You keep the outside of the cup really, really clean. But the inside is just nasty. Right? If you want a great object lesson for your kids, this is it. Hand them a cup where the outside's real clean and say, would you drink out of this one? Then hand them one where the outside's really dirty. Or would you drink out of this one, right? And the inside is reverse of what the outside is. See which one they pick and then like put something in it and it's like full of mud. Ew, gross. Yeah, that's what Jesus says the Pharisees were like. You're gross on the inside. And then in the Beatitudes, he's like, you, you give so that everybody sees you giving. And he uses this little phrase that's just chilling. You already have your reward. Your reward was the praise you received when people said, oh man, look at those guys giving. You pray on the street corner so that everybody can see you. And he says it again, guess what? You already have your reward. Those people who go, man, look how spiritual those Pharisees are. That's the reward you get. And then in John 5, after... The, the blind dude is healed and the Pharisees just get all angry because he did it on Saturday. How can you do this on Saturday, Jesus? Heal on another day, this blind guy who's been blind all of his life and nobody can do anything for him. How dare you do that on the wrong day of the week? Jesus says to them, it's really, really hard for y'all to believe because you want so much praise from each other. As long as you want honor from each other, you can't believe in me. So Paul knows what that's like. Do you ever think that that's, that's pre-Jesus, Jesus is talking about Paul before he met Jesus. So Paul knows the motives of a heart of a legalist. And earlier in Galatians, Paul wrote about the offense of the cross, that the real offense or the stumbling block of our message is not do better at keeping the law, but that we're so bad at keeping the law that the Son of God died on the cross as a perfectly innocent man in the place of perfectly guilty people. There is no offense in telling somebody, hey, you got this. Try harder. That's the least offensive message you've ever heard in your life. And you hear it every single day. The offense of the cross is you have not and will not really do better, but Jesus did do perfectly better and he died the worst possible death and suffered the wages of sin. See, the cross of Christ, he just, he just says the cross of Christ, but as we saw back in chapter 2, verse 21, right, that if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Right, so the cross represents all about the righteousness of God and how we receive the righteousness of God, of someone else dying for us and giving us the gift of righteousness. And he even says, these people who are telling you to keep the law, they don't even keep it themselves. So they're calling you to this huge, huge law-keeping, and they're 
kind of selective about it. They want to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to boast in your flesh. Avoid opposition. Gain approval. Avoid opposition. Gain approval. That's their whole motive in trying to get these Gentiles to be circumcised, to become Jewish, to be law keepers as a means of becoming righteous before God. And then Paul says, but far be it from me to boast. Far be it from me to boast, except, ah, Paul's going to boast too. The, the legalists aren't the only boasters. Paul's going to boast too. Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but a new creation. He told the Corinthians, I decided to know anything, nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul doesn't say, you guys boast in the flesh. You guys boast in the, the Gentiles so that you can get circumcised to keep the law. I don't boast. He says, no, I boast too, but I boast in the cross. I'm not avoiding persecution. I'm not trying to get the numbers. I'm not trying to report back. I boast in a cross that says none of that's possible. And somebody had to die for me for just being so bad at all that. I brought nothing to the relationship but my sin and, and just me surrendered. And when that happened, I died. I died to the world. The world died to me. You don't, I, I don't belong to you anymore. The world even knows it. The world looks at Paul and says, he's not ours. That's a pretty amazing thought. I boast in a cross. Isn't that wild? Isn't that crazy? Boasting in a cross. I mean... We wear them, we decorate with them. A means of capital punishment. That's my boast. I've heard people say that would be like wearing an electric chair around a gold chain around your neck. But that's really... The electric chair is over in a minute or two. 2,000, 2,500 volts or so. Maybe, maybe, if the person sentenced to death were just beaten within an inch of their life first, and then maybe if you took the electric chair in a really high traffic public place, not in a, a private room, maybe you took it to Market Street in the middle of the woodlands and put it up high so that everybody walking by could see. And then maybe if you just stripped them naked and then maybe if you put their charge so that everybody could read it, and maybe if everybody that walked by knew that they had one job, to mock that person and to shame them and to insult them as they walked by. Because that's part of the process. It's built into it. 
And then maybe if you turned down the voltage to about 10 volts and increased it by 20 every 10 minutes so that it took a long, 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 long time to get up to a couple of thousand so that it was just slow and painful and agonizing. Okay, then maybe it's like that. And you're thinking, Dean, you're being sadistic. That's the point of a cross. It's the most sadistic way for the Romans to kill somebody. The point of the cross is that it's cruel and it's shameful and it's ugly way to die because our sin is ugly and shameful. And so Paul says, I'll boast in that because that's where Jesus accomplished something for me. Somebody worked on my behalf. But it's not just, the the goal isn't death. The goal is life. He says the goal is new creation. So we die with Christ. We're raised to new life in Christ. Jesus said, you must be born again. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So that's Paul's boast. And he says, and anybody who walks by this one, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And he just finishes it. I love this ending. This two-part ending, 17 and 18. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's pretty in your face, isn't it? And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Like, I love that little twofold thing. Grace and peace be with you. Now, shut up. No, he doesn't say that. But it's just like, enough with the trouble already, right? But you, that verse 17 is enormous because the legalist whole thing was, remember, they want to boast that they got you and they want to avoid persecution. And Paul says, my body bears the marks of Jesus' ownership of me. You go to 2 Corinthians 11 and read about Paul's life. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, danger in rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger in false brothers, toil, hardship, through many a sleepless night, hunger, thirst, often without food, cold and exposure, And apart from other things, listen to this. Okay, that sounds awful. Let's all agree. And what does he say? And apart from other things, the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Like, I get beat to a pulp and I'm like, but you know what else is bad? I'm just always thinking about the churches. Really, Paul? (laughs) Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? And then listen to what he says. You ready? If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. Paul says that right there. The cross shows my weakness, and that's what I'm going to boast about. Can you imagine what Paul felt like when he woke up in the morning? Before ibuprofen. 
How in the world did this guy roll out of bed and get to work in the morning? My word. It's not bearing my body the marks of Jesus. That is unbelievable. I want to, I'm going to show this, okay? I brought a little dry erase board. He says, I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. It's Paul's back after the first one. That's after the second one. So if you were the third guy who gave Paul's lashes and he lifted up his shirt, this is what his back looked like with scar tissue. If you were the fourth guy, this is what his back looked like. And if you were the fifth and last guy that whipped Paul, that's what his back looked like. And if you were the last guy... So when Paul says, I'm bearing my body that marks Jesus, this is, this is what his back looked like. This is, I'm not doing, I don't know what it looks like to be beaten with rods or stoned. So you could add more, I guess. But when he talks about marks of ownership, these were the marks that showed he owned, he, he, Jesus owned him. That's Paul's back. 40 lashes minus one, five times. But he says, my boast is the cross. Not my boast is my back. As a matter of fact, he told the Galatians, I feel kind of foolish for telling you this. 
Look, if you want to avoid that, just avoid the cross, right? And Paul's like, don't look at me, look at him, and it got him that. This doesn't come naturally to us, I don't think. We don't, when he says in 1 Corinthians 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. Like the Jews just kept tripping over this. And so their default was to just go back to the safety of the law. And to the Gentiles, it was a dying God. We like gods who send lightning bolts. We, we, we like to having a God who takes care of all the different, you know, we want, we want 20 gods who take care of 20 different things. God on a cross, and, and Paul's like, an uncrucified Christ is no Christ at all. So I'll boast in my weakness so that I get Jesus, and Jesus makes me a new creation. And the biggest, one of the hardest, most difficult conundrums of all is we're in this world, but we're not of this world, and I don't have that figured out. Um, as the old Cademan's Call song says, this world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. All that I could want, nothing that I need. <laughs> but it's a missionary verse. We're in this world, we're not of it. Somehow, we're crucified to the world, and the world knows this, and yet, we're here in it as new creations. Turned upside down, but right side up. So, I don't have to measure up. The law will always say, you got to measure up. Jesus measured up and he died for me. I don't have to carry my shame because Jesus carried my shame. I don't have to always be cleaning myself up to come to Jesus and make myself presentable. Jesus cleans me up. So it's weird to look out at you all and say, I want a church full of braggarts. <laughs> boast, people, boast. In the cross. Boast in the cross. May, may that be our boast. Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for the Apostle Paul and his back and his words that are powerful for us today. And um, Lord, ever, there's so much in me that would rather boast in something else. Um, and there's the cross, and Lord, here's the cross for all of us. And this, I know this works itself out differently for all of us because we're all different. And we're all coming to you from different lives and different families and different places right now. We're just bringing different stuff to you. So you bore our shame. You bore our guilt. You bore our sin. And really, that's, 
It's what we need. So when, when we're the turtle on the fence post and we're not carrying guilt and we're not carrying shame and we're not who we used to be, we say, Jesus, who died and rose again, he got me here. He, he's my boast. My dying, crucified Savior got me here. Lord, this, this is totally unnatural, totally unnatural. And it is so, so easy to be ashamed of this. But I pray that we would, you would just give us so much grace not to be, so much grace not to be and to be fearless and to be bold like Paul was. Paul, who even asked the church to pray for him to be bold. (laughs) Lord, help us to pray for each other to be bold and to be courageous and to be strong in this. And yet, Lord, to be humble and to be loving in this. Thank you, God, for Galatians. Um, Thank you for grace. Thank you for the Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.